is good, everybody. Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. This is the Gold Standard Podcast. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. He is Levin Black. What's up, Levin? I am Van Damtastic this week, Rob. Yeah. How's that work for you? Is that good enough, Joe? That's what, what I'm talking about, baby. I know you bring the juice. I love that you saved it. You saved it. You know, you, you know funny thing is I planned on doing me. that the whole time. But yeah, I literally did. thought of that the other day. I was like, I'm going to have to go crazy at the start to get Joe pumped because he gave me crap last week. You can do it, though. You can do it the whole time. Don't ever lose it. Just stay up here and just stay there. And then all of a sudden, after like one day, you're there. And then you're there for two, for a week. And then before you know it, your whole life is just yeah. up here. I got to balance just like, Rob. You're just like though. the enthusiastic man. Rob, Rob's like up here with That's his right. emotion at all times. I got to be a counterbalance sometimes. Yeah, you're I mean, a counterbalance. You, you haven't heard that guy whine. We've been winning every time you're on. That's true. I do get pretty pissed. I'm not going to lie. Oh, does he? Yeah, it's bad. Oh, shoot. Yeah. So I think, I mean, that's a perfect transition. I think this is exactly why I'm here again. Yes. Exactly and why I'm here again. Well, we're going to get to that, Joe. We want to remind everybody, please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. So last week, we talked to you about superstitions, right? I only wear the 49ers socks during the game. I don't wear any of the gear because, you know, they've been winning when I've been doing that. So I kept it going. Levin, yes. human wet blanket over here. <laughs> Tells me I'm an idiot. I'm so stupid. You're so arrogant. How could you even think that? We get done with the instant reaction podcast last week. We're off the air. And Levin said, tell, tell Joe, Levin, tell him what you said. You're making such a big deal. So at the end of the game, I'm watching and I'm nervous, you know, obviously. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting here at like this during that final drive. Rocking back and forth. Rocking. And, you know, a play happens. We, I don't remember what play it was, but we get a first down and then. I'm sitting here like this between the plays. I'm like, oh, should I go back to this? Because that that worked. I'm sitting there having an internal battle. Like, does this really matter or not? You know? <laughs> right. Like in the heat of the moment, like I'm sitting there fighting myself. Like, that's right. I actually it's have an effect nature. or not. Yeah. yeah. When the chips were down, what did you do? <laughs> you are a fraud. Fraudcaster 11 Black. I don't ever want to hear you talk crap to me again. You're full of it. <clears throat> this doesn't count. It counts. Well, it's, I mean... <laughs> Joe, I mean, I don't know if for, for the people that plays. are listening right now, they can't see exactly what he's doing, but he's more of a, uh, a prayer right. than it is yeah. rocking back and forth. You are actually in the Hail Mary full of grace phase of yeah. uh, your superstitions, which is the peak and pinnacle of all superstitions. <laughs> when you start asking the Lord for favor on your team and not the others. So right. forget everyone else <laughs> that might be calling on the Lord. Your request is more important. I know the Lord only wants the Niners to win. So I will continue with my prayer pose. And <laughs> that was make always sure a pet peeve of mine. Uh, <laughs> that when a player would be like, well, first I want to, you know, thank so-and-so, you know, whoever they mentioned for allowing me to win. It's like, they didn't pick a side. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't want to make this in a religious podcast. That's a whole, that's a, that's a true. That's a deep, dark tunnel that you can go down to a whole sidetrack of a show right there. But, um, it would also, in the same vein, not irritate, but I would always be like, I mean, whoever you're praying to, I don't think he's choosing sides in this football game on Sundays. <laughs> the main point is Levin is a fraud, and I don't ever want to hear you criticize me again because you are you try to think you're above it, but you're just like the rest of us. Right? Joe is sweating through hey, his hey, clothes. Nobody's perfect. Some. I have a couple plays where I get into it and. You know, I, I couldn't let it go when it when it's an important enough moment. You it's know, early in the you season, you show emotion. 
It's good that you show emotion. It lets everybody know that you're alive inside. That's what I always tell everyone. You know, all I'm doing is letting everybody know that I'm alive. You know, there you go. So you, you don't know the whole backstory. Like Rob and I have talked about it. I am the way I am because if I allow my emotions out, anger is the one that tends to take over. Ooh, and when I was a kid, like I, I got, I got in trouble a lot. I got in a lot of fights because I couldn't control my anger. And the way I controlled it was shut off emotions. And that just kind of led to the adult that I am. Right. If there's anything we, we could have a whole, we could have a whole psychological episode right now. Right. Just bottle oh it up. Goodness. Right. That always works. I think we yeah, found exactly. through human history. If you that just deny is, your emotions. If you go to marriage counseling, that is the number one thing they say don't do is to bottle up the emotions. You got to communicate, man. Got to let them out. Got to have it. Like I said, got to be up here. Always, always up here. Well, that's where I was after last week because we, we started the show last week. And I still, when I say it out loud, the 49ers beat the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau Field without scoring an offensive touchdown. Like, I still cannot believe that. There are a million different ways that game could have gone. And that's the one that I never would have dreamed of actually happening. How did they do it? It was incredibly surprising to me because I thought going into that game, they were going to have to dictate the tempo running game. I thought they were going to have to be very efficient third downs. I thought they were going to have to score like 28 points to have a chance because you had a quarterback that was coming off one of his best seasons of his Hall of Fame, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and in NFL history um, in his own place. Like I thought as well as the defense was playing over the last half of the year, it was going to be really challenging. And um, that was the most surprising thing to me. Not that they came out victorious, but the way that they did it. And then also you add on that besides the defensive great performance, special teams have been an absolutely Achilles heel for this team the whole entire year. And they are the real reason and they won. I mean, that, all three points taken off the or ten points taken off the board. Yep. Um, it was it was uh, unbelievable, and that's what I love personally. Like what I love most about football, and what drew me to football at a young age. You know, much sore. I enjoyed track. I was a track athlete. Enjoyed track. I uh, I enjoyed baseball. I uh, I enjoyed basketball, but it was much more. It's much more individualized. Uh, I from a young, young age, love the team aspect of football that you are not just counting on yourself to perform well, but you know, if you're having a bad day, there are 10 other guys on the offensive side of the ball that can lift you up. And, you know, vice versa. And when I played defense in high school, like there are 10 other guys out there on the field with me. And you just learn so many life lessons as a football player um, throughout my career, just so many things that you can draw from that team experience. And, this was a perfect example, I think, of like just team football um, and how just it takes everyone to uh, win a game. And it was awesome. What is Kyle and Jimmy like on the sidelines when they're struggling like they were on Sunday? Because, you know, we, we've mm -hmm. seen cameras go to other quarterbacks. You know, Tom Brady is known for getting in the face of teammates when things aren't going well, things like that. What are they like on the sideline to try to get things turned around? They're really calm, you know, honestly. They're um, Kyle, when, you know, the offense isn't performing well, um, he's he's calm to the players. You know, I think he <laughs> is not calm to the coaching staffs, and that's when you see, like, some of those, like, clips of him cursing out his headset and letting whoever the position group is that's letting the team down in the moment to uh, get that crap corrected. 
Um, and I've been a part of that where all of a sudden you'll hear our offensive line coach on his headset and he's not talking to anybody. All he's doing is listening and you can tell he's getting, he's getting reamed. <laughs> and then he'll all of a sudden it'll be done. And then his demeanor will change immediately. And he'll be like, I told you guys, when we had this backside block, you have to take your second step vertical. You're getting stretched down the line. I'm sick of it. And you're like, all right, well, that was Kyle verbatim, what he just said to our offensive line coach. So, That's awesome. um, But to the players, it is, honestly, it's like Kyle has a great way of understanding um, and a lot of trust in his um, offensive coaching staff to get the problem solved, that he's not personally going to the players or the guys. Now, that's from my perspective as an offensive lineman. It probably is different with the quarterback um, situation. And I have seen him, and I've talked about it before with you guys, that he'll cover his face up and – you know, I don't want the cameras to see what he's actually saying. And um, and I think they, uh, that's been there from day one, though. That's how Kyle's coached every single quarterback. Um, you know, he's he's had that way, talking with him about how he coached Matt Ryan, even the year that he won the MVP award. Uh, it was very similar. And it was very back and forth and give and take and very open and honest relationship from the head coach to the quarterback, which is in football and teams in the ultimate team sport. That's the most, um, that's the most, uh, what's the word I'm searching for us. Yeah. I'm just saying important. It's the most important pairing of the whole entire team is the communication between the head coach and, and quarterback and also vice versa quarterback to head coach. Now, Rob, let me jump in here real quick. I did have one follow-up on this. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask, you're not a player anymore, so we don't need the PC answer that you always get in the press conferences. When the other side, you know, you you played on offense, so the defense, or vice versa for those other plays, when they're struggling as bad as the offense was struggling, do you ever sit there on the sideline going, come on, guys, just get one <laughs> one stop, or, you know, get get oh. a field goal, you know, if you're on defense. You, I'm going to give you a very honest answer. And this is, and this is, and it might sound PC, but it's not. It's very honest. And it depends what you're asking, depends entirely on the locker room culture. And it, I have been a part of teams where the locker room's a mess. The team is not tight from coaching staff, front, and like everything's just a mess. And there's definite clicks and there's position groups that stick together and all that offense versus defense. And I've been part of teams where, yes, it's been exactly that. Like, what, what more can we do? Like, we're, we're doing everything we can for this team. It's your fault. And I've been a part of teams as well where we have won high-scoring games. And we not one time on the, on the sideline as an offense looked at the defense and said, what are they doing? Like, we can't score any more points. It's always been like, Donna, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Like, it's just been like, whatever the challenge is. And the same thing from defense, like defense, we've won one low scoring games. Like it was this last week. And they just been like, it's on us. Let's do it. Let's let's, we, we got you, we got your back. And to your point though, I mean, that I saw that in 19. Um, I wasn't there in 20, obviously, but I see that from afar. Now that I'm paying a lot more attention to the team. I see that completely with this roster. Um, and it starts really with the people that you bring in, you know, it, it really does. A lot of that core roster was there still when I was playing and all those guys are, 
team first dudes. They're, they're not pointing the finger at someone else to make sure that they don't get the blame. It's everybody understands when they don't do a good job, they look at themselves. When the team isn't doing well, they look at themselves. It's like, what can I do better? Bring the challenges to me. And I mean, the defense, I can tell you not even being in there. I know hundred percent. They weren't thinking that on the sidelines in this last game, they were thinking it's on us. Like, let's just do it. Let's, let's win it for us. Like we got your back. I know it's a struggle, you, cold weather, whatever. You know, like, I know you're not performing as well as you can. We're going to do it. And they did. You can and that's tell. A mark of a, and that's a mark of a great team. Like a lot of attention gets put on individual players and positions um, from the outside. But in the locker room, I can tell you the most important thing and the most important catalyst is the team. And you see it show up every single year in the playoffs. Um, the best teams typically win. Um, so I think that is going to bode well for them going forward. And I, that's why I was really excited about them getting into the playoffs because I knew how they were constructed. They definitely have that kind of all pulling in the same direction vibe because, I mean, it's kind of gone unnoticed, but the offense only has two touchdown drives in the entire playoffs so far. And one of them is a one play 26 yard touchdown run by Debo. The, the offense has been struggling a little bit in the playoffs, which has me kind of encouraged for this week because I just can't picture Kyle's offense struggling again like that. I feel like they're kind of due almost. Yeah, I think I mean, there's a lot to go into it. You know, you can go and look at it like at just the Niners, you know, especially this last game. You can look at it from the Niners perspective, but you can also look at it from the, I mean, what do you think the Green Bay Packer fans are saying this week? You know, they had one of the greatest quarterbacks ever to play the game who couldn't figure out the disguises of the Niners and D'Amico, a first-time coordinator, Ryan's was doing. And I thought he was a masterclass by him, um, the way that he was able to really confuse Aaron Rodgers in that game. Um, but, yeah, I do agree. I mean, obviously, this team has been built on, you know, the schematics. Uh, they've been a very high-scoring, very efficient offense in the second half of the year you know since they've kind of moved Debo to that running back hybrid position week 10 they've been incredibly efficient and we haven't seen that the last two weeks but you know you know Murphy's law it's going to go back to the mean you know it's going to go back to the norm and I think that does like to your point sets sets up for a lot of optimism going into this NFC championship game um, and also I think the style the style of play I knew going in at this this Green Bay front was going to be up to the task to set um, to go against the running game for the Niners, just because I did think that they were just more inherently, these guys are actual real physical, tough players. Like they have played that way forever. Um, Zadarius Smith coming back, you know, Preston Smith has always set a hard edge. Rashawn Gary, you know, Devonte Campbell in the middle, like they're, they're, they're a good front. Kenny, uh, 97 why am i losing his name kenny, kenny clark Smith? no kenny clark yeah um those those guys uh, are, are physical players so i knew it was gonna be a challenge um, i think it sets up a lot better for the niners um up front in the in this game against the rams now i wanted to ask you no specific... i know you're gonna say aaron donald but i i always look at no I mean, no no i, I was, saw your face no I what i was face. gonna say is you kind of like, said uh, I think it was on KMBR basically that the Rams are not as physical as the Niners. And you think the Niners, the reason that they've won is because they're, they just out physical the Rams. Yeah. I don't think they are. I think they can, they can be that. 
I've always thought that, and this is not just the Rams. This is just throughout my entire career as a player. Um, when, when I, when you have teams and players that come out and specifically said in the media, we're going to not be bullied. We're going to be the more physical team. We're going to celebrate like all the, the run stops and like the big hits, like you're, you're trying to hype yourself up to be something that you're not. And if you look at even the playoffs, like the Rams did that in week 18, they wanted to be the more physical team. It's all you heard about the whole entire week. We have to be more physical, 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 physical. Well, if you're saying that, and you're not really that. That's not your identity. First round of the playoffs with the Cowboys. What did you hear? Bully ball. Uh, we're not going to be bullied around. Um, I'm going to set a hard edge. That's, I love setting hard edge. Like Demarcus Lawrence. No, you don't. You're a, you're a hands player. Like you're not an edge setter. Micah Parsons. You could have been completely taken advantage of in the run game off the ball. Like you're a great edge rusher. You're a great talent, but that's not who you were. But you're talking yourself into it. Um, you didn't hear one thing from the Packers. Like I didn't hear one thing all week from the Packers that week of like, Hey, we need to be the more physical team. Uh, and now, I mean, now with the Rams, you're hearing about, we need to make sure that our fans are there. Cause we need an, <laughs> <laughs> we need a, we need an advantage against them. But um, you know, I don't know. I think there's, um, there's something to be said about what's said during the media. Um, and it's not bulletin board material. It's just kind of cold hard facts. Cause you know, that they're trying to talk themselves into being ready for what the Niners do. And I don't think it's an upfront trenches battle. It's more of the skill speed. You know, you talk about Juwan Jennings, Debo, George Kittle, um, Brandon and Ayuk even like every one of those guys are very, very, very committed to run game and being physical Um during that and the the secondary of the of the rams are not they're they're great players individually they they have a great scheme but they don't want to get hit for four quarters and you've seen that since they played for the last you know three years it's it's come to fruition in every single kind of situation and it might not be pretty early like you saw in the last week but it will show its head as the game goes on now, you, you talked about bulletin board material and all that. that. That leads me to one of the questions I wanted to ask you. You know, not necessarily what other coaches or players are saying in the lead up to a game, but how much do you guys actually hear or pay attention to what some of the media members will say? You know, the columnists, you know, if they come out criticizing or they come out and say, you know, the way to beat the Niners is to make this guy try to beat you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you guys actually hear that throughout the week or pay attention to it at all? No, honestly, the only time it gets brought up is if a media member brings it up to us trying to get a reaction or a follow up. Uh, it's really the only time. Yeah. I mean, like nobody there, texts really you, is. you know, like, hey, this dude just called you out or whatever. No, I mean, but also I'm an alignment. You know, it's not like I'm a quarterback <laughs> or a receiver or a big star player. It's probably different for other guys. You know, every situation is unique, but. You're saying For Jimmy's me, phone is blowing up every week? Oh, his phone never blows up. <laughs> Everybody knows that he doesn't even look at his phone. He honestly doesn't. Like, doesn't He's look at his texter. phone. He's a bad texter. He's a bad texter. He's a bad caller. <laughs> he doesn't look at anything. The guy doesn't ever on his phone. Um, but for me, like, all my, my my core circle knew that I didn't want to see any of that stuff anyways. So I never got it from them. And then I wouldn't look at it on my own. Your weeks are so... During, like, 
especially playoffs, like every single waking minute is spent on film study, practice, getting my body right. There's no time for looking at media stuff. So the only time that I would ever get brought up was be a, a media member, ask me a question and try to get a rise out of me. And then, as you know, I just give the, well, that's a great opinion by him and a PC <laughs> answer and I move on to the next. You mentioned something a little while ago that I wanted to get into, uh, just talking about D'Amico Ryans, who like, I'm so mad because I think he's going to get hired. He deserves to get hired, but I just wish we could keep him around. But one thing I noticed when I watched is it seemed like for a lot of the snaps, they had Fred and Dre Greenlaw or Aziz right up on the line of scrimmage, basically almost in the gap on either side of the center. As an offensive lineman, how much does that mess with you in terms of your protections and your assignments and stuff? Oh, it messes with you is, so usually that's paired with three defensive linemen on the opposite side of the center. We call it an overload. And they will put an, a defensive end on the, say for the left side, It'll be a defensive end on the left, then Fred Warner over the B gap. And then you'll have three defensive linemen on the opposite side of the center. And then how that messes up is that as a guard on the left side, you don't know if he's actually you know, going to blitz and mm -hmm. rush or if he's dropping back and covered. So you have to keep eyes on him for a split second until Fred declares or any linebacker in that situation declares. And so then what that does is on a three defensive end side, you will run games. They will run games and they'll run twists, stunts. They'll have one guy go to the A gap, one guy loop around. And really it creates three one-on-ones at a different level because the guard is going to be on the line of scrimmage um, seeing if Fred's going to be blitzing or not. So he's not able to help. Now the vice versa, if Fred's off the ball in that situation, in the same exact front configuration, the left guard wouldn't then be able to slide to the right. And then you would have four on three, which is a lot easier for an offensive line to pick that up. But if you have a three on three situation where three guys have to switch off three different defenders, that becomes a huge problem. And you've seen why they're so successful in that because Eric Armstead is incredibly, incredibly powerful at penetrating on the inside. Nick is really good as far as getting guys shoulders turned from the tackle position and then flipping around. And once you have that combination, it's really hard to switch off those games as offensive line. Now they're going to obviously be playing the Rams for the third time this year. I was curious, is it a bigger advantage for the offensive lineman or the defensive lineman facing the same guys so much in the same season? Like, you know, is, is it a big advantage for you? Because, you know, OK, if they're if they're moving in this way, I know that what's coming. So I've already you know, gone one on one with this guy 30 times this year. Or is it the other way around? I've always thought it was a lot easier for offensive linemen in those situations, the more familiarity you can get, you can feel what their actual bull rush is. You know, the more reps you have against a guy, you understand, like, what is Aaron Rodgers or and I hear what does Aaron Donald's bull rush feel like actually, you know, as a tackle, you know, what does Von Miller's uh, ghost move that he does with his you know, outside hand, what does that feel like actually? And what is that speed? Like you can get a true sense. And um, I've always hated going against guys that I had never faced uh, as an offensive lineman in the past. And then having that familiarity as an offensive lineman is crucial because we're much more technical. It's a much more technical position. It's all about tempo, uh, steps, um, being in the right position when you get those steps. Um, and then also hand placement, you know, understanding where the, the contact point is 
on a defender. It's different on every single guy. And what's more, most effective, and I think when you first go against a player, you try to get a true sense of their ability, and then you try to con construct a game plan off of that. And typically, it, it, you'll see as offensive linemen, it will benefit them going down the road. Because um, defensive linemen, as, as much as everybody loves to watch them, they're athletic-based. You know, it's an athletic-based position. <laughs> and if you're powerful and strong, I don't care who you're going against, you're typically going to have success, but there are guys that really dedicate themselves to the technique as offensive linemen that can negate anything that's, um, you know, athletic and, and power based. Did you, when Kyle sent Trent Williams in motion, jump out of your chair and start cheering? Because first of all, I never saw him run that play with you. And second of all, I would be terrified if I'm on the defense and Trent Williams is coming at me with a running start. So I saw McKivitz come in and I already knew what was happening. I can't, I saw him coming from the sidelines from the huddle. I saw 68, I believe his number is, and saw him get going in the huddle. And I was like, I, I, we were watching the game and I was like, I go, Trent Williams is going to play the fullback position and he's going to run this play because I had gotten a chance to sit down and interview Trent earlier in the year. And he had told me off camera, he was like, I'm asking, I've been asking Kyle to put me in this position as the same side motion guy when we run. That concept's called Zorro. It's basically the fullback and the tight end on the edge setter up to the safety. And so he was like, I'm waiting for Kyle to use me as a fullback position on Zorro. And I was like, shut up. Are you serious? That's a genius thing. Is he going to do it? He's like, he's waiting for either like a huge game or the playoffs. And so I thought originally he was using it in week 18, didn't. And then he didn't see it in the playoffs, but then went and then once we or against the Cowboys, and then once I saw it in in the in the Green Bay game, I got really excited. And then he delivered too. I mean, he launched. Oh my he god! Launched that guy out of his out of his seat. So <laughs> yeah, I might see that more uh, weeks yeah. to come. So there's not much you can do about it. I mean, no, no, not even not even that. Think about the play action. I mean, yes. forget Trent. Trent runs like a four six four seven. He is faster than what he was when he came out of college. Could you imagine him? I know he's got like, you know, some injuries he's dealing with right now, but could you imagine if he did that and then ran a wheel route <laughs> up the sideline? Like, I'm not talking about a flat little like four, like you need to run a go pattern to Trent because I guarantee he probably, if he gets a step on a linebacker in coverage, he would outrun him. That would be. Juice might be jealous if you do that. <laughs> Who would be? Talk Juice, when we talked to him earlier this year, he was saying that he's always telling uh, Kyle, you know, I want my wheel route. <laughs> All he wants is that one wheel route off of the play action week. It's uh, the, the week, uh, week action and then Juice. He's really good at that, though. He's, he's really open good. every time. Yeah. Well, because he sells it correctly. He goes down there and he just has like a great little spin move. I think he could have been like a great Division two defensive end. <laughs> Could have been like not not division one at all, but maybe like high division two, probably. Now I want to see that Trent play. Like, give me Trent Williams on a wheel route. Like, oh my God, it's second and seven. And there's Jimmy chucking it up to Trent running down the sideline. And the maybe Rams are week. just like, what the I will say this. So if the Niners do make it to the Super Bowl, win this game, there will be like four or five crazy, crazy trick plays that Kyle will install in those two weeks. Um, we didn't run a lot of them, actually. I don't even know if we ran any of them because they never came up in the opportunity in 19, but there was like five or six crazy 
double pass, tackle eligible, like nice. things that would just be like Philly special style, but to the nth degree that he's going to have. So that that could eventually be in there. Yeah, some of those might involve Trey Lance with his athleticism. Just yeah, maybe throw you'd like that to out see there, that, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, you guys would. <laughs> well, Why I, are you gonna be negative, Joe? So no, I lived in. Uh, I know you guys would. You just yeah. you took that in a negative way. <laughs> I I got that Lance thing back there. I, I lived in North Dakota for ten years, so <laughs> I'm kind of big on the Trey Lance even before he was a Niner. But oh, before it was cool. Yeah, yeah. Before uh, you got to interview him and didn't invite me. Yeah, well, that wasn't by accident. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I did want to ask about one specific play. It wasn't really a trick play, but it it surprised me. And that was that final drive, the third and seven. You know, I see Debo go in the backfield. I'm like, there's no way they're running. They're just doing that as a decoy, maybe a play action to him to try to get a pass. I didn't think there's no way they're going to go third and seven and try to run it. And then he gets the ball and, you know, goes to show how much I know it. At first, I was like, you got to be kidding me. You did that, Kyle. You ran the ball and you're just going to. Hope Gold can hit a 55-yard field goal. And then, he, of course, he gets the first down. Were you surprised that he actually handed the ball off? Not at all. Um, I think the way that game was going, you know, it was difficult to kind of move the ball through the passing game. And I think you don't overthink it in a situation like that. Who's our best player? Debo. Who's been most clutch for this team this whole entire year? Debo. He's been in that situation before. Called a shot in the Dallas game. Or um, yeah, no, yeah, it was Dallas Rams game. Dallas, yeah. Dallas called a shot a lot of One times of this year. He, um, you know, I think you just put the ball in his hands and you and you let him go to work. And if you even watch that play back, it wasn't blocked perfectly, but it was an unbelievable cut at the line of scrimmage that he cut from the right to the inside on the left, and then he got touched probably two yards, three yards past the line of scrimmage, and then drug broke a tackle, drug three guys forward for five yards. Like, that's the thing about Debo is, like, he understands situations. You know, yeah, if it's a second down run when it's second and 10, I mean, he's always going to try his best, but it's like, he's not. He's not going to stay up and open himself to get in. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, he's not going to, like, open himself up for injuries and all that stuff. Like, there's a finesse kind of way to run the ball to make make sure you're healthy at it. Frank Gore did an amazing job throughout his whole career. Um, Debo has that same way, but he understood the situation and he knows that he has to get those yards no matter what. And um, Kyle trusts him completely. And I think this offense trusts him completely. And it was a great job by him. Kyle said he actually had a pass called before that. And then he called timeout and changed it to a run. Smart decision. I, I, I mean, I know in that moment, I literally tweeted before the play. I was like, just give it to Debo. Like just yeah, put the ball in the hands of You're your so best smart. Team. Well, You're I so think smart. that's that's clear. You always agree with all my tweets, right? Yeah, we have a long history of that so far in the last <laughs> week and a half. Um, Actually, cra- I see a lot of your tweets, and I, I don't think I've agreed with maybe one or two of them. Wow. How about a little retweet action? Give me some some clout or something. I mean, geez. Now no, who's I'm saying begging I, I for haven't stuff. agreed Jeez. with. I've only I, I maybe I've only agreed with maybe one or two of them. Ah, I see. Yeah, you miss misheard me there. Like I, I said, Rob, Rob is emotional, so <laughs> you see that in his tweets. <laughs> you yeah, if you watch the game with me, it would it's an aerobic exercise. Um, <laughs> you mentioned the crowd noise. Clearly, like McVeigh admitted, we were not ready for that. But now you got to think that even if the Niners do take it over, like the Rams are going to be prepared for that. Is it going to be as big of an advantage this time around? 
Yeah, it's always going to be an advantage because anytime you have to go silent count as an offense, that is a complete advantage. <laughs> it really is. I'm not kidding you. Like if you play on the road and I know we were laughing like about like Kelly Stafford, Matthew Stafford's wife saying, you know, he had to go silent count. But if you have to do that in anywhere, it's a, uh, it's a huge advantage because you don't as a, as offensive lineman in the running game, if you're banking on the center to give his head Bob to come off the ball, you're not able to load properly in your stance. Like you're not able to have the anticipation of when that ball is actually going to be snapped. Um, if it affects everything on an offense, um, have just having to use silent count. That's the main reason really why it's so much more difficult for an offense to operate on the road as it is as at home. And I think if you have that, the Niners fans are going to travel. Well, it's going to be even more, I think, uh, fans that are going to be there than it was last time. I think it's going to be a huge advantage for them again. Now I was talking actually to Chris Furster, the O-line coach in the Niners. And, you know, it was Colin, I was asking him, you know, it was before the Rams and the Bucks played. And I was like, who are you, who are you guys scheming up right now? And he was kind of saying both teams, like there was nothing, but I was like, you should be scheming up the Rams. It's who you should be wanting to play because um, you're going to have a home game. You're going to have a home NFC championship game if you get to play the Rams. And I think you're going to see that on uh, on Sunday. Yeah, and then they can return there for the Super Bowl two weeks later. But how satisfying is that, by the way? You beat the Rams in their house to get in. <laughs> you beat them in the conference championship. And then if you win the Super Bowl, you'd have to win in the same play. It really would be Levi South at that point. It is. I think it would 100% be that. So it's going to be an exciting game to watch. Yeah. Um, I, I did want to ask, you know, from the playing three times, you know, you guys did it against the Seahawks. You didn't do it in Kyle's tenure, but, you know, you play the, the divisional opponents a lot, twice a year. How much does the game plan actually change when you play them the second time? Does he change things, make it from scratch, the offensive game plan, or is it basically the same concepts and he might just – tweak something to make the defense, you know, second guess themselves, like changing who's in motion or swapping a route here or there. Yeah, it, it, it definitely changes, um, you know, to your core of who your identity is as an offense, it's not going to change, you know, every, my whole time with Kyle, whenever we played division opponents, it's not like you're going into a game and the second time he's gonna be like, all right, we're going to run four or five wide spread. Everything's going to be done. Like it's still the, the core of who you are as an offense, but definitely concepts, um, you know, where we would use different. So every, every kind of run play has a tag word and there's probably 30, 40 different tag words off of a zone blocking scheme. And they'll build a game plan off of that. So you usually go in a game with like, Hey, these are 10, 12 concepts we really like. Here are five or six other that we think that could be good depending on what happens. And that's what you do in the run game. And you've had situations where you've run that certain kind of concept in game one didn't work. And then you kind of switch it that way, but it's still a wide zone. It's still, um, it's just kind of different, a little bit structure from the front of how it's portrayed in the field. But, um, that's really where the, the schematics happen and maybe building it out a little bit where if you have a lot of success, even in game one, 
saying, all right, well, let's build a package off of that. That looks like what we did the last time, but it's a little bit different. And so they'll be thinking that, and then we'll have a whole package off of that. So, you know, I think Kyle is the master at that and he's been since he's been in the league. And that's really what makes him, him as an offensive play caller is his ability to always anticipate adjustments. Um, and not really related to your question, but I also think D'Amico Ryan's has done a tremendous job of that. And as a defensive play caller, his first year, and I think nothing was more true than this last game, that first series, I really saw a defense that came out there with a certain game plan and they got completely, you know, just taken to the woodshed in that first series. And then D'Amico on the sidelines just said, all right, is that how they want to play us? Here's what we're going to do. And it's like in game, boom, I'm going to anticipate everything you're doing. I'm going to make it really difficult. And I thought it was just a tremendous job by him. All right. This has been a nice little interview, but I'm going to call you out a little bit, Joe. I disagreed with something that you said. Again, I can't remember if it was in a post-game show or where, but like you've played in four conference championship games and somebody asked you like, what is it like getting ready this week? Is it more important? Is it bigger? And you were like, no, it's just a plain old regular week. I can't believe that. Like, did I say nobody's that? more pumped up about it? Like, it's the frigging conference championship game. If you win, you go to the Super Bowl. Well, the reason I said that was in 2011, we played the New York Giants. The real, I thought the real reason looking back in the offseason of the reason why we really failed, especially as an offense in that game, was because we put so much pressure on the situation. Um, that whole week we were like talking about, Hey, we win this one game. We're going to be in the Super Bowl, you know, exactly that. And we, I went in, uh, a lot of the players went in with really tight back ends. Like we were very, don't make a mistake. Don't make a mistake. Thinking about a lot of negatives instead of just thinking about like what we've done to get to that point. And I know I can speak for myself, but I think I speak for a lot of the other players that we were on the field with, um, And then I think moving forward, we got in the same situation the next year against the Atlanta Falcons. And one of the real reasons I think that we were able to come back in that game was because we all had a team meeting the night before, um, a players only meeting the night before, and everybody kind of got up. And the overall message from a lot of different players was, as a lesson that we learned the year before, it was a lesson of trust the work that we've done to get to this point. This game is important. Yeah, let's not shy away from it. It's an important game, but we don't need to do anything different. You don't need to look at it like a different game. Like we are good enough to win this game based on the work that we put in, who we are as an identity, who our team is, and we can be successful. So when we got down 17-0 in that game, there was no real panic on the sideline. We were like, we just have to get back to what we're doing. Like we just have to run the ball. Let's get a couple of first downs defense, get a stop. Let's play football. Like we were all on the same page in that, in that way. And I think that was a real catalyst for us to come back and, and win that game. And I think that was a good lesson for myself and everybody else is the game and the stakes might be higher, but at the end of the day, you you really are. And if it sounds cliche, it is, but it's really true because I I've, I've experienced it on both sides. Um, if you make more out of what the situation is, you tend to freeze up as a competitor under that pressure. But if you go in confident and prepared and look at it like, Hey, I'm ready for this. And this is a game. And then don't put that added pressure of the moment on your shoulder. 
then you go out there and, and be the best. That's the uh, no nonsense, emotionless approach I like there, Joe. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did want to ask, you know, there's there's one big variable that is unknown at this point going in the game, and that's whether Trent Williams plays or not. I think he probably does, but it's unknown. I was going to ask you, how much do you think that would change Kyle's play calling if he can't go? Um, I don't know if it would change his play calling. You know, the last time the Rams played, Trent played in that game. Niners played the Rams. Um, and I thought McKivitz did a, a good job. They did have to give him a lot of help. Um, maybe not a lot, but they definitely gave him attention over there on the edge and made sure that there was chips and presence on all the pass blocking. And they had to do, um, you know, combinations as much as they could over there. I, I would be very shocked if Trent wasn't playing this week just because, you know, getting to know him and the competitor that he is. Also, his playoff success rate to the season's not been great. You don't, as a guy that's been in the league for 12 years, you don't waste opportunities to play in the NFC Championship game. Um, so I would expect him to be out there, just uh, give everything he has. And then if he's out there and he's hurting the team, you know, I think he's going to be honest to be like, hey, me at 50% is not better than McKibbins at 100, so get him in there. So if the Niners make the Super Bowl, what's your uh, what's your plan? Where are you going to be? Are you going to be at the game? What's what's going on with Joe Staley? If they make the Super Bowl, I will be down in Levi's. I think we're doing shows down there. Uh, or not Levi, but um, SoFi. So we're going to be <laughs> Levi South. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be down there at Levi South. Um, and we'll be down there from Wednesday night to – Sunday after the game, I did say to the producers of the show, if they win the Super Bowl, don't count me in on the show. Like I'm not, <laughs> I am charging the field. I will figure out a way to get on that field. I, I will get arrested if I need to be, but I am lifting up all my buddies and I am celebrating harder than anybody if they win the Super Bowl. So I you told them, like, don't, well, I mean, yeah, I should <laughs> see if I can get Jed on there. There you go. Come on, Jed. Do the right thing. You just talked about your time with uh, NBC Sports. There's a, there's th something you've done a couple of times with them, and you did it again this past Sunday. And that's, you know, you're showing off your dance moves. So I wanted to ask a personal yeah. question of if Dancing with the Stars called you, because I would think you're a prime candidate. Um, would you go on that show? So and this is this is a legit answer. I don't know if she was just feeding me something that she thought I might want to hear, but at the time, Aaron Andrews was the host of Dancing with the Stars, and this was way back when the Niners were good. I think it was 13, 14, like post three NFC championship games. And she said, because we had done a bunch of interviews together, got to know each other a little bit, and she was like, I've been telling our producer that we need to get you on the show. Like you, you we've showed Joe show stuff. We need to get you on the show. I think it'd be crazy if they had an offensive lineman that was on there. It'd be so much fun. And I was, I was like, uh, no, there's no way I would, <laughs> I would be so uncomfortable in that situation <laughs> because as much as I uh, like to goof around, that's uh, more of a serious dance where you actually have to do stuff. Hey, and you can get pointers from Jerry Rice. Yeah, see, I don't like the limelight as much as Jerry likes the limelight. Jerry does like the limelight. It's hard. I've heard it's hard work. Jerry's talked about that. 
like the, the training and the stuff that goes into that, like it's legit, like up early oh, sure. training all day. It's no joke. Yeah, I don't think it would be a joke. I think it'd be incredibly hard. And I didn't want to at 310 pounds to do that. So and I highly, highly doubt that they're looking for uh, old retired offensive linemen old. Um, anymore. Hey, so. If somebody like David Ross from baseball can go when he retires, I mean, that, that's a catcher. They're, yeah, they're, he was a World Series winning catcher. He he struck while the iron was hot. He he, that's true. he got himself on there. You missed your window, Joe. I did. It's all about you know taking about taking the most of your opportunities when they're presented to you. Go, you could out, wear the so. socks during one of the dances. That's true. I do. You would become socks. a fan. I have favorite. to send them still. Maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna overnight them. I'm gonna overnight them. I actually have them. They're upstairs. Um, I don't want to go get them right now, but see, here's now you're creating a dilemma for me though. Let's say you overnight them, right? And they're here in time for the game. Do I wear the new socks or then do no, I go? No, 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 no. You right? break them out for next year. Okay. Yeah, you break them out for next year. Well, there you go. All right, Joe, thank you very you much. Do not again. break any traditions. Do not break any traditions that you have right now. Kurt. Yes. Levin, that includes no you, Mr. I'm not superstitious. Yes. Yeah. You can keep praying. There you go. Gosh, Joe, look at my fingers. They're so messed up. Ah, <laughs> uh, dude, the the weirdest fingers. I guess I Ooh, maybe shouldn't say this, but I, I I interviewed Jarvis Green. I don't know if you remember him. He played for the Patriots in the early to mid two thousands. Okay, man, it was right after he retired. He showed me his hands. He said that's why he retired. He like literally couldn't like hold them still. He said from he always mm. jammed offensive linemen. That was his move, mm. and so he just. He had all this crazy, and his fingers were like he couldn't get his Super Bowl rings on because his fingers were all what messed a flex. up. What a flex to say, wow. I can't get my yeah. Super Bowl rings on. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> oh, sorry, man. your fingers hurt, Jarvis yeah. Green. Yeah, that's like I Tom have this Brady. And I, can't, I can't get any Super Bowl rings on because I didn't win any. <laughs> you know Maybe the story you're... on this? So this was the, this was the Seattle game um, when I got absolutely destroyed by Jadavian Clowney on Monday night in 19. And and we were talking about playing through injuries and like how guys can play through injuries because they have so much adrenaline going. I completely shattered this knuckle. Like knuckle right here got completely shattered. I didn't know it until the next morning. I woke up and my finger, like this part of the finger was just, was just like, it was here and then it was just here. And I went in and in the morning I was like, uh, my finger's messed up. And they took an image and they were like, yeah, you don't have a knuckle anymore. So I had to go in and uh, I had to get this completely like it's all plates. I had to get it like plated to put the joint back in. And then they put uh, two pins in there. And then I played the rest of the year with it um, through the Super Bowl. And then because I played so long with it, I was supposed to get the pins out. And now it's fused together because I couldn't get any kind of treatment on it. So you so got to be sitting there thinking, for football, man. I almost made it all the way through. And then this happened in my last year. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, and then also when we were in the Super Bowl, I was like, yeah, if we get a Super Bowl ring, I mean, I'm not sure how I'm going to put it on. I'm just going to have to take my wedding ring off and, and say I'm wow. married to football. I'm married to football. <laughs> oh, my, my wife probably would be would upset about that. I mean, my wife would be upset about that. So. <laughs> that is, oh, man, that sucks. One of the 10,000 reasons I would never, ever, could never, ever go anywhere near a football field. I would be just hearing about that would make me want to retire like immediately. That's insane. There's you know, so that's not a normal stories for injuries. What's that? I played a, I played a game. There's so many crazy stories. I mean, talk about injuries. Like there's so many crazy ones. Um, injuries, the media and 
fans never oh found yeah out the about people it. had no idea about um like what playing through different things and just it's always like yeah he's dealing with a elbow injury but you actually see it and it's like he's wearing a brace because if he doesn't wear a brace like it actually just pops out a socket oh or you know let me ask you this how guys are like oh i got a shoulder i got a shoulder thing and it, like in the season they have completely like shoulder reconstruction surgery right. i mean i've actually played on a broken leg where like you know where it broke I could feel it as I was planting, like moving. Oh my God. Um, yeah. So like, how honest is weird. the injury report each week? Like how many injuries exist as far as, that are, that aren't listed? Um, no, there's not a lot. There's not as far as injury report and like not listing them. They're all reported because that is um big. No, I mean, no. If you're, if you're, you could be in the, I mean, you could, it, they're over reported actually for injuries, but the injuries guys actually play through are much more extensive. Like um, a lot of guys have played through really extensive knee injuries. Um, you know, I remember playing through a bunch of multiple knee injuries where, you know, if you, if you run and your MCLs messed up, you run, you can feel your bottom of your leg swinging side to side. Cause it's like stretched as a ligament. And so I remember playing through that and you know, all that stuff is just very commonplace. If you breathe, NFL, man, so. you're out there. It's insane. Like, that's not a normal. I call out of work if I get a sore throat. Yeah, there was never a sick day. Rob, you work days. from home. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I've, I've, that's what I joke about. Who people. do you call? Your your wife? Hey, <laughs> I'm not going down to the basement today. <laughs> it's, it's a ridiculous. This just proves how ridiculous this job is, right? I could do this job just as well in a full body cast. But if I have a sore throat or lose my voice, I can't go to work. So it's, there's no other job like it on the planet. Yeah. Joe is losing respect you. for me by the minute. I, I understand. Yeah. No, I feel you. I've actually lost my voice screaming for the Niners and uh, they were like, stop screaming. I'm like, why? I'm excited. They're like, cause then you won't be able to talk after the game's done. Well, Greg so Papa like, couldn't talk last week on the call. Oh man. I, did you hear that? I don't <laughs> like, know what happened, but I talked to him. I talked to him on Monday. I do a radio show with them. And, um, Talked to him on Monday and I was like, first question I asked him, I was like, how, how's your voice, man? Uh, do you recover from uh, all the screaming you were doing? He goes, I think I over layered. And so I just didn't have the right, <laughs> I was like, all right, you need to drink some more, whatever. But his this, voice this, sounded, this his might voice sounded you, terrific. He's back. This might bring you back, but uh, all this talk about voice reminds me of Brady Hoke, the old ball state coach, because he literally didn't have much of a voice to begin with. And in his post-game press conferences, you literally couldn't understand him. I'm, I remember <laughs> I have a college buddy that we, we've had him on the show. He covers the Packers. We used to have to try to like sit there and like work together on, okay, what did he actually say there? Because his voice <laughs> would just be cracking left and right. They're screaming so much. He Brady just, he Hoke, just had I've a heard. voice that would go like the, the first time he screams, his voice is gone. Well, I've heard also I've had a couple of guys that, have, uh, that I knew that played for him at various stops, either Michigan, San Diego state, all that. And you know, ball state. And they said that he's a yeller. I mean, big time yeller. So when you have take a big time yeller like that, that also loses his voice very fast and it's going to go. So. Well, I'll be losing my voice. I'll be losing my mind. If the 49ers win this one, well, I shouldn't say one, but one more game. They'll be in the super. I can't even say it out loud. Every time I, I say it, I Have you ever thought that when they were three and five, no, like I, I, 
I didn't quite put it this way when I texted Rob earlier this week, but it like dawned on me today. Like, wait, we actually have a chance of being in the Super Bowl. Like, what's that mean for us in terms of like podcast network, all that? And I, I was like, that hadn't even entered my head, but we've talked about it, you know, in the off season and stuff. Like if the Niners make the Super Bowl, what would that, you know, what would we do? Just hadn't even come into my head because of the way the season started. And Magical season. They've had a bye in week six. This team yeah. must be exhausted. The best part about getting to the Super Bowl is going to be the week off. Yeah. And I don't think they want it to stop, though. They probably want to keep it going. How much of a There's... week off is it a week off prior to the Super Bowl with all the crap you guys have to do? The press conference. Um, no, it is because you still practice. I mean, it's not really a week off. It's just like the week off from playing a game. But you practice the whole week and then you got a lot of other stuff to get orchestrated with the families and friends and tickets and the security meetings and all that stuff that you got going. And then you take a, you mean you got to fly down there on Saturday or Sunday and you have a whole bunch of hoopla with that. And then you have like a welcome get together and then you're done. And then it's like focused on the, on the stuff, but it's not a huge distraction, honestly. I felt like you don't get there in 2019. If you didn't get that number one seed in the week off. Um, yeah, probably that year. I think this year it'd be different. Yeah, I think they needed to play that. You know, I think if they had that week off, it would have been bad for their mojo. Well, the mojo's all good right now, and let's hope it stays that way for two more weeks. Joe Staley, thank you again, Joe. We really, really appreciate it. Keeping the tradition keep it going. alive. Keep That's it going. Right. Yeah. Superstitious podcast right here. All right, Joe. We'll <laughs> talk it. to you next week. All right. Sounds good. Let's talk to you guys next week and then the following week because they're you know a little bit a little break there. So that's true. Thanks. All right. See you guys. You are such a fraud. You you got off easy. Joe let you off easy. I was ready to hammer you when you told me that after the instant reacts that you have it's, superstitions. No, that's not what I said. And you're making a much bigger deal of it than it actually was. In the moment, for a couple of plays, yeah, I might be like sitting there second guessing myself, like, oh, I did this last play. But it's not one, it's not frequent. Like, it has to be like a do or die type game. Like at the end of the year, I actually get nervous. When, it, when it's like week three, it's not do or die. The Niners can lose. It's not the end of the world. You know what I mean? Like, but when it's like playoffs or end of season, they have to win, like, you know, the last game of the season. Yeah, I, I'm much more amped up, much more nervous. Not just normally I'm sitting there and it's like my analytical brain is on and I'm analyzing everything. When it gets to these true do or die ones, like that part of my brain turns off and it, it's more I'm just like true fans sitting there and nervous as hell because i have no control over anything and like if i if i have a thought pop in my head of i've been doing this and they've been doing well and i stopped it i, I gotta keep doing it for the rest of the drive you know and i'll have that thought and it'll literally be a fight amongst myself but this is like i'm talking like maybe one game a year that thought will pop in my head and that was literally for that last drive that last drive first play i realized i'd been literally I guess people on podcast can't see me, but I was literally rocking back and forth on the edge of my couch. And I realized I had my hands in front of my face like a in prayer like position. Prayer, prayer position. And in between a play, I put my hands down. I think I actually went to take a, a drink of a beer and I realized I've had my hands in those positions. I, I need to go back to that. And then like, I'm sitting there fighting with myself that whole drive. Like they moved the ball again. I can't stop. Yeah, see, you're, you it's think not, you're it's not a real superstition. You're making my point for me. Your argument essentially is superstitions don't work, but when it's really important and we really need them to work, <laughs> I do them. That's your argument. And I will still sit here and say it has zero effect on anything. 
Yeah, you can say what you want. What matters is what you do and what you do. Look, this should be a good thing. You're trying to do everything you can to help the team. And I appreciate that. I want to say thank you. I just didn't appreciate how you pretended like you were above it when in reality, you're right there with us. Yeah. I mean, like I'm literally sitting there at the same time thinking I have no effect. Why am I doing this? I'm an idiot. Uh, see, but, that's all right. Don't, don't, yeah. don't question it. Just do it. It's I mean, work. there have been times I was, let me put it this way. When I was younger, I was more superstitious. Like I would do the thing of, Oh, they lost when I was wearing that Jersey. I got to change my Jersey next week. But yep. when those, maybe that's what broke me of it because when I was doing it in those years, it was prior to the hardball years. And it was, I can't wear that jersey. They lost week one, and then I'll wear a different one. Ugh, can't wear that jersey. They lost that. You game. were desperate. And by like week five, I was out of jerseys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we are, man. We're one game away. I, I, I still can't believe it. Like it's I was weird ne- to me. It, it like was, it literally creeped up on me. Like I, I said to Joe, yeah, going into the Packers game, I'm like, I really think they're going to do it. Like I'm picking them to win. I think we're going back to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Hold on now. You want to talk superstitions? What did you do last week? I picked the Packers. Hmm. You picked against the Niners and they But won. I bet on the Niners. <laughs> and I bet on I already bet on them this week. As soon as the line came out, Niners plus three, I was like, Are you serious? I can't believe it. That line is still where it is. I thought for sure that line would come down. You know what I bet on last week? I, I bet big on the away team over on points. Cause I thought there's no way the Niners, are, it was 21 and a half points. Yeah. The bet. I was like, there's no way the Niners are not scoring 21 and a half points. <laughs> like, like Rogers will probably put up some point. You know, that was my thought. Like the Packers might outscore them, but the Niners are at least getting into the, you know, mid to low twenties. And it, yeah, that did not go well for me. Michelle had the, had the Niners over too. That was one of her props that she liked this week. And like, I think in normal conditions, they probably would have hit it, but all right. So, official NFC championship game prediction for you, Love and Black. Well, uh, I decided to make a bet on this. Uh, I put down a bet, you know, those crazy, super huge odds they put out there mm-hmm. on picking the exact perfect score. I was like, screw it. I'm putting five bucks on it. Ooh. So I have five bucks on the Niners winning 24 to 20. 24 to 20. That is the exact score that Akash took on the Shanna plant. So well, once hey, again, hey, hey, last time we were dead on or we picked the same. We were actually dead on. They ended up being the score. Right. And you tried to take all the credit. I remember that. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll take Niners. I think it's going to be Niners 27 Rams 20. I'll go 27, 20. Uh, I do week. think the Rams are going to be, you able- need to start going first. Cause I already have my number. I think about a pre-show. It certainly seems like with you sitting there waffling, you're pulling it out of your butt. After I go and you keep one up in me, like it's price is right. I'll go one more over. I'll just add a field goal. You took 24, 20. I took 27. <laughs> you know what? It, honestly, like I'll tell you the way I do it. Cause the only time I ever pick like an actual score is just at the end of a show. So I'll right. just think like, okay, what's the, what are the Niners defense going to do against this team? And then I'll just like calculate a number real quick in my head. And then I can never make it a blowout because the Niners, I mean, right. I feel like in these playoff games, most of the time they don't blow these teams out. So then I want to make it close, but obviously I still think the Niners are going to win. So then I just dialed it back one touchdown see, there. And that's see, I go I through that same thought process, but I do it prior to the show because I'm a professional. Yeah. Well, 
I'm too busy setting up Joe Staley for the third week in a row. So, boom! <laughs> yeah, I, I like how you turn the tables this week, and you're you're asking him for favors, and you give you give me crap for asking about getting Alex Smith on, and then here you are this week. Yeah, I asked him to retweet something I tweeted. You're asking hey, him can to get you Alex give, Smith on the show. Can you help me get that blue check mark I was denied for? Multiple times. <laughs> I want that. But what the hell do I have to do to get a blue check mark? I mean, my God. You, you know, what's funny is when you got denied, I was like, I'm going to apply because I just think it would be hilarious <laughs> if I get it with my like 1,200 followers versus your 13,000. But I never actually made it through because I forget what they needed. They needed some kind of like. It's what, a pain in is, the ass. Yeah, it was such a pain. And I didn't have I didn't have it on me. I was like, I don't have that those documents on me. It's a yeah, it's a whole thing. And then they just like to deny you. I mean, they denied Alan Page the first time he tried because they said he wasn't a notable enough figure. He's Alan Page. He's a Hall of Fame player and a judge. How could he not be notable enough? But yeah, it's a weird it's a weird process. All right, Levin. So what we both agree then a week from now, we're going to be talking about the 49ers in the Super Bowl. It is happening. It will be two Super Bowls in three years for Kyle Shanahan. Two for Jimmy Garoppolo. Obviously, everybody else on the roster. You think this is this is real? Yeah, like I said, it it creeped up on me. Like I had not made it that far, like down the road. I had not thought about the possibility of a Super Bowl because I was so concentrated on they just needed to get in the playoffs, you know. And then it was I just wanted to beat the Cowboys. I just wanted to beat the Packers. And then I think it was what Monday I texted you. Might have been just Tuesday. I was like, wait, they could literally be in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I was like, yeah, dude, I know. <laughs> That's how this works. <laughs> it, it's a year that I, f- I feel like it's not really out of body, but it, it just seems like this year has been almost like I can't remember. You know what I mean? Like, I think back to the early part of the season. And I'm like, that's still this season. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been a hell of a trip. And hopefully we can, you know, maybe that's something we'll do if they win. We can take a look back and kind of see the the journey that we've made along the way. But let's not count our chickens before they've hatched again. They still maybe have not to- all the maybe not so many audibles from us and pr- prior podcast when the Niners are like three and five, because they probably don't look great right now. Yeah, well. I mean, it was a different. It is what it is. It was a different team then. Like well, they are playing. Like I will still team. defend it. I mean, we don't need to get onto this huge tangent, but people have tweeted at me like, "You were literally saying Kyle should be fired," and I said, "No, if he keeps coaching like he is, that needs to be a legitimate question at the end of the year." And Kyle himself admitted that he was off at the beginning of the year. So, what do you expect me to say? What but, a long, yeah. strange trip yeah. it's been. But hopefully they keep keep it going. We win uh, this game and we win the Super Bowl. But no matter what happens, win, lose, or draw, we will be here for you on the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Again, please follow, rate, review. If you follow us already, that is awesome. But please, 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 if you haven't taken the time to leave a rating and review, please do. It really helps us. If you've gotten any value or any entertainment from our show at any point this year, please take 30 seconds and do it. Uh, it, it makes a big difference for us. Levin, enjoy the game. I will do the same, and hopefully we are back next week talking about a Super Bowl, baby. (laughs) Yeah, let's just get through Sunday. Uh, That's kind of my mentality now. Just get to Sunday and get through that game, and then I'll get all amped up and celebrating if they win. Wet blanket. No, it's like 
I want the game to be played. Like, I'm ready. Let's go. Yeah, let's go let's now. Like, <laughs> I don't need to get amped up as we're recording Wednesday night when I know the game's not until Sunday. All right. Enjoy it, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week.